Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Chaos to Connected podcast. It's been a bit since I have been in front of the microphone, <laughs> um, but there has just been so much going on in the last month, month and a half. And so I just thought I would share what's been going on because I have been a little inconsistent. If you follow pretty regularly, there were a couple weeks where I didn't share an episode and a couple where I shared a replay. And so I just thought today would be a good opportunity for a life update. And also amongst that, there are lots of different like little tips and like bonus strategies that I want to share because these are all pretty, pretty big, but also common things that happen in everybody's life. And so, um, the first one is a pretty exciting announcement. So I'm actually pregnant. We are going to have our third child and, um, what I really wanted to share here aside from the exciting announcement is that, one of the biggest mistakes that I made during my second pregnancy was that I did not, and and maybe it's going from a first to a second child, maybe it's because I am a highly sensitive person and there's a lot of traits or um, maybe beliefs or like patterning that I had that I have worked through and come out on the other side, like still obviously have things to work on, but you know, perfectionism and that sort of stuff that I don't know if it's that, um, or, or what, but I obviously wanted another child. Well, I guess it's maybe not obvious because anyways, I did want another child. We did want another child, but I was also very aware of how difficult it would be for my oldest with that transition and like having all the attention and then having to share it. And I guess I just kind of felt, um, almost sad for him. (laughs) Maybe that sounds weird, but, um, and so I think I kind of just avoided preparing him. And that was a really big mistake (laughs) because I think it's super important for kids to be a part of the process, especially when, it's something that's going to impact them and especially when it's life changing, you know? And so really thinking about that as we're moving into this process again and how to be including them and that sort of thing, because something that I heard and that I just want to share with you, because I think it really gives us a better perspective as parents. Um, even if your child like seems to tolerate the transition well, there might be a honeymoon phase, you know, and then suddenly you're like, what is happening? And that is that having a sibling 
or, you know, another person added to your family, another child, would be like your husband bringing home another wife and being like, well, I still love you too, (laughs) you know? And if you think about it, like that sounds extreme to say, but if you really think about it, if your child is there alone, especially, and even if there's more than one, you know, you're, you're obviously going to be spreading your attention further and that sort of stuff. But recognizing for them, it's like the same thing. And it doesn't mean like, don't do it or whatever, but I think it just helps us realize how it really puts it into perspective how big it is for them. And it, I think, can give us some more empathy and understanding when things are going hard with it or more behaviors are happening. Instead of just being upset by the behavior, we can think, okay, like they were doing fine for a while, but this is really big for them. And it might take a little bit for that honeymoon phase to move through. Okay. The second thing that happened is we were in a car accident. We're all fine. Um, but we were just driving through a small town where we live in a small town. We are driving from a therapy appointment back home, crossing over a main street in town. Literally no one was on the road and all of a sudden we got hit (laughs) and I don't know if you've ever been in a car accident. I never have, but it was the most surreal experience. I feel like, I mean, I didn't, but I feel like it's almost like you blacked out for a second and you're like, what just happened? And I literally turned around. Both my kids were with me and I was like, did somebody just hit us? And my husband was like, yes, which I knew somebody obviously hit us because you just know all the airbags went off. Like it was obvious, but I just like couldn't wrap my head around the fact that there was literally no cars coming anywhere. And suddenly we got hit. And what actually happened is somebody pulled out from a parking space and clearly wasn't paying attention. I have no idea how, I mean, we were driving a big black truck. There were no other cars on the road. It was good weather conditions, no ice, nothing. Like, I just, I can't understand what happened. Um, But what's really frustrating for me, and maybe you've been here, whether it's a car accident or something else, is that you are doing everything that you are supposed to do. You're paying attention. You're not on your phone. You're looking both ways. You are just, like, not being distracted in any way, and yet it still happens, And trying to figure out how to explain that to your child who is now afraid to be in the car, afraid of every car that we see, whether parked or driving, because it's not like something you did that you can say, oh, I'm going to be more careful next time. You know, like we were careful and it's really hard to navigate that with young kids, helping them understand that you're safe, but also like we did everything that we could have done and it still like it still happened. It's very challenging and really frustrating. Um so anyways, it has provided us lots of opportunity to work through something in a new way. A very a, a lot of times on the podcast I will talk about um 
kids or us having a trauma in our past or something. And usually I explain that trauma doesn't always actually have to seem like a traumatic event from the outside. But this, you know, was definitely a traumatic event and something that was unexpected. And so now, yeah, it just, the idea of getting into the car to go somewhere is very difficult for my oldest, especially. I mean, it was his side of the car that got hit. Luckily, it wasn't his door. Um, but I, I just wanted to share here whether you've been in a similar situation or you find yourself in another situation where your child, whether it truly is like an incident that somebody would be like, yes, that's traumatic, or your child perceives it as traumatic, is that it's so important to provide frequent opportunities for your child to release emotions and for yourself, obviously, too. And something that I think is really important, I mean, particularly with, you know, the car, but could pertain to other things as well, is leaving space before you have to go so that your child can let off feelings. So, for example, I would say it's time to go, knowing that we still had time. And for the first few times, he had a really hard time like lots of crying and whining, not wanting to go. And it's kind of like, we live in the country. We have to go places. Like we can't just stay here forever. And I, even if we could, I don't think that's healthy. Then we're not working through this trauma response. And we don't want to store up trauma in our body because it can cause, you know, physical things later on, but also mental health things and emotional things. Um, So anyways, just leaving space for something, you know, if your child was traumatized by going to some type of appointment and you have to go to that appointment again, whether it's for your child or for somebody else and they have to come along, recognizing that they might need space to process things and every time that you have to go there, you might need to leave extra room before you go, letting them know that's what you're doing and allowing space for them to have feelings that come up because I heard when I was doing my training that a few seconds of fear can require hours of processing, which seems like overwhelming, I think, if you think about it, if I think about it. But I think it gives you a good look into your child can't just like cry one time and like, okay, it worked through it. You know, that might be for somebody took my toy and I'm mad about it. But these bigger situations are going to require lots of processing time. And then the other thing that I've really been doing, and I think it's helpful for a lot of different situations, it's something that I recommended if, you know, your child is scared of the dentist or the doctor, because I think there's a lot of situations that we put our kids in or that we have to put them in and we just like do it. We don't, it's not in our nature to explain things or not generally speaking. Um, maybe if you're like a therapist or something and you you have these thoughts in your mind, then maybe you do it. But for the general population, it's not common for us to just talk through every step that's happening. But our kids need that. Think if you just went to an appointment, you didn't know what you were going to do there, why you were there, if these people were nice or not because you didn't know them, and then they just come up to you and they do something that, you know, pricks your skin or something without really being told anything about it. That's scary. And that's what we do with our kids a lot. And so I think just really, no matter what the situation, you know, for us, 
getting in the car, providing detailed descriptions of what's happening to keep our children from going into that fight or flight mode. Because when they're there, they can't hear you or take in anything. And so, you know, there's, there's a balance between allowing processing and then also allowing your child to feel safe and comfortable with things that they have to do they just have to do. They can't get out of. And so, you know, when we're driving in town, I will say, okay, now if you see cars come up from the side, they all have a stop sign or different things like that. And so, um, again, you can change that up based on whatever it is that the situation you're in. My husband and I reached out to Kaylee for her blueprint behavior session with our son just a few weeks ago. Our nine-year-old son had been exhibiting some very defiant and anxiety-based behaviors, and as parents, we just did not know what to do next. After our first hour-long Zoom call with Kaylee, my husband and I were absolutely amazed, and we walked away with more knowledge from that call than what we've ever gotten from the five years of OT that my son has been going through. Kaylee helped explain the reasons for our son's behaviors and how to better connect with him so that we can understand what emotions he might be going through or what fears he might be having and how to help strengthen our family relationships. Kaylee is so knowledgeable. Her pediatric OT background and her motherhood journey lends itself perfectly to this type of work. She's in your corner and she will be with you every step of the way. Her knowledge has helped our family so much exponentially. Please reach out and let her help you. You'll be so glad you did. Okay. The third thing that happened is you may know, I don't know how often I shared it on the podcast, but I took care of my grandparents, my mom's parents. Uh, they moved in with my parents, uh, two summers ago. And so I have been there during the week. That was like my full-time job is helping them, you know, do all the things, whatever was needed. Um, and my grandpa did end up passing away. We, we knew it was coming. Um, obviously we didn't know when, um, but the day actually the morning after we got into the car accident is when he passed away. And so a few things, I'm sure you have all probably experienced death in your life and maybe your kids have, and maybe they haven't. But I just wanted to share a few things because obviously it can be emotional for you as the parent. And also if you have little kids, it can be really challenging because they need to process it, but they don't necessarily understand. Um, And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that like preparing for the long day. And, you know, if you have the wake and the funeral or whatever, bringing things along that can occupy them. So we pack a bag of like, you know, colors and like a sensory item and maybe some puzzles or books or audio books, like just, um, maybe some Legos or just different things that can keep your child's attention that you can be rotating through if needed. And then lots of snacks, but I also like to bring some fun things that we don't have all the time. So maybe it's like chocolate covered coconut candy or mints or gum or a variety of those things. I had ordered, um, 
oh, what are they called? Manuka honey, like suckers from Azure one time. And so like things like that, I mean, obviously you don't want to go overboard with sugar, but sometimes when you're sitting through a funeral and they have to be quiet and they just can't anymore, like that could do the trick. Um, and then the other thing is the expectations for your child. So really making it clear on the way, maybe before that, depending on their age or how much preparation you think that they need, that whatever the certain rules or guidelines are, repeat frequently, especially if they're younger, so that it's fresh in their minds. They are going to be impulsive and just do whatever they feel like, you know, they need to do. It's not necessarily like they're like, oh, and we're in a funeral home or a church and we need to be quieter here. Like, it's like, oh, I want to run, you know? And so just reminding yourself that they need, they don't necessarily understand all the expectations and they need them repeated. Give other options and understand like, okay, if they're running, you you don't have to yell, stop running, you know, just say, you know what, we can't run in here, but we could go outside and take a jumping break or, you know, you want me to spin you in circles a few times or something like helping provide their body with what they're seeking in a way that feels appropriate for the location you're in. And then the last thing is expectations from you or for you. Recognizing that your child's understanding and ability to maintain their regulation, their impulse control, simply because of a certain type of situation does not always work out, especially if you have younger ones. And just remembering that they're also seeing lots of people with emotions and they might not understand it. And so making sure you're taking the time to help them through it. But also like, I think something that's really important to recognize is that especially if you have a highly sensitive child or a child that has more heightened awareness, you know, oftentimes kids are just like running around at the funeral or the wake and they don't necessarily like have a clue or really recognize like this is a sad, difficult time for a lot of people, but you may have children who are really aware and they may take on the feelings of others in the room. And so this might require breaks, a lot of breaks for them to let off some of the feelings. You might need to go outside, go in the car, let them have feelings and come back in or let them take a break if it's too much. And um, just kind of determine that based on how your child really or usually is, but recognizing like breaks are okay. And it might, it might be necessary. It might be something that you need to be planning, uh, planning for, you know, um, Okay. And then the last thing, (laughs) these were like, bam, 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 all in a row. The, literally the day of my grandpa's funeral, I woke up not feeling well. And I didn't know if it was like a weird pregnancy thing or if I was getting sick. I just like, I, I didn't know. And I had to leave the funeral because I felt like I was going to throw up. I never did. Um, we did, we did the, you know, the ceremony, we went outside to the burial, we came back in, somebody prayed over the meal and I literally bolted it out the door and just (laughs) was totally sick and it was terrible. And it was so kind. My parents were like, well, just keep the boys here. Your husband can bring you home. Well, a couple hours later, they were going to bring them back and they said that Huxton, our youngest had thrown up and So that was a Wednesday night. He was not better until like Monday, which is a really long time for a stomach bug. Like 
I did not feel well, like really did not feel well for 24 hours, but his lasted so long. And there was one night where we went in and got him because he was crying, brought him into our room and, you know, we're like trying to make him comfortable and do all the things. And he says, I give up. And it's like for a three-year-old to say that, like it was just heartbreaking, you know, but a couple of things that I wanted to share with that is that just preparing your expectations for the need for you. And I think especially as moms, our kids, you know, we're, we tend to be the nurturers, not probably in every family, but just generally speaking, remember to build in breaks for yourself when you can and to actually take them. It might be hard because your child may maybe really wants you, but recognizing that you need the break and it's okay if your child is a little upset by it, like it gives them an opportunity to process things as well. Um, but also the awareness of what you need as, as you're caretaking, because it can feel like a lot. It can feel like something you need to process as well. And so just being a little bit mindful of that, because otherwise, you know, you can start to become triggered easily, have too much stored up, and then it just doesn't go well. Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to talk about here is just the processing that will come afterward, especially if your child has been sick for a little bit longer period of time, you, you just don't know how much it's impacting them, but especially if they're little and they can't really understand what's going on, they're throwing up or like things that just don't feel well and are hard to explain, but are happening and they don't want to happen. Like that can create a lot of stored up feelings about it. And so and maybe it feels scary for your child. They don't know why they're feeling so badly or if it's going to go away. And just remembering that it might take time for them to process all of that. <laughs> we are still in that phase. We So today is Thursday. It's been just, a, I guess, just a few days. It feels like so long. <laughs> um, and they're still like really quick to tears a lot of times, a lot of crying during the day. And I think it's just because it was really exhausting. It was really hard on the body. It was emotionally hard and frightening. And so just remembering in those moments, you know, so not only the sick, we had all these other things going on, but it's a lot for a kid to process and they need space to process. And so if you recognize more feelings, more emotions, more behaviors after an illness, just reminding yourself that there's feelings about it that they need to process. And maybe other things are coming up for them that have kind of clumped together with being sick and just trying to give your child some grace and just really work on some of those stay listening sessions. So that was a little bit longer than I normally like to talk, but so much has been happening, but I also think it provides some good conversation and things to think about when you are going through these things, because we all go through them, right? Um, if you are really struggling with your child's behavior, if you're really struggling to manage your own triggers, if you feel overwhelmed or burnt out or constantly like have that mom guilt, I want you to go to the show notes and book a call with me. And we will chat about what those challenges are and really what, like, what do you want to happen? What are your goals here? And see if the behavior blueprint is something that is a good fit for you. Essentially, it is, um, 
just a customized plan. We go through all the connection strategies. We go through how to manage your triggers. Um, because let's be real, we all, all have them, even if we don't want to admit it. Even if you are the most patient person, there are still triggers. I feel like I am a very patient person and I still get triggered too. Um, and then there's also a sensory and a regulation component that is more based on my occupational therapy background. And this is all customized to you and your child and your family, their daily environments, the behaviors you're struggling with. And at the end of it, you come out with like an actual behavior blueprint that just gives you a brief um, like summary of each of the strategies we went through and how to implement it specifically for your situation. Because what often happens is when we get connected, when we learn how to manage our triggers, we kind of forget to do some of the things because it's like, oh, things are going so well. And then a couple months down the road, you're like, hmm, <laughs> we're struggling again. And this is just an easy way for you to refer back and be like, oh yes, this is what we need to do and just kind of get back on track. As well as maybe years down the road, maybe, you know, a year down the road or whatever it is, you come to a hard point again you can refer back to this because the strategies do not change. You might have to tweak, obviously, how it's implemented based on age and behavior and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, once you learn these strategies, they help you forever. It's an amazing foundation that I think everybody needs. And so if you are finding yourself in a place where you just don't want to keep going like this, you're ready for a change, let's connect. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories, and take me, at Kaylee Josiah, and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I'd love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.